the notes from the staff where we talk about our point of view and we share the things we're gonna do and we hope you're learning something new because the path to mastering theory begins with you welcome to notes from the staff a podcast from the creators of you theory where we dive into conversations about music theory ear training and music technology with members of the U Theory staff and thought leaders from the world of music education. Hi, I'm David Newman, and I teach voice and music theory at James Madison University and write code and create content for U Theory. Hi, I'm Greg Risto. I conduct the choirs at the Oberlin Conservatory, and I'm the founder of U Theory. Thank you, listeners, for your comments and episode suggestions. We love to read them. Send them our way by email at notes at utheory.com. And remember to like us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Our topic for today is Music Fundamentals Games. And joining us to share some of her favorite games is Dr. Stephanie Dickinson. Dr. Dickinson is Associate Professor of Music Theory at the University of Central Arkansas. Her primary areas of research include the music of Liszt's late experimental period, issues in analysis and performance, and music theory pedagogy. She has presented her work at regional and national meetings of the Society for Music Theory and College Music Society, the International Conference on Music and Gesture, and others. And her articles can be found in Gamut, College Music Symposium, the Festschrift List 2000, and most recently in the Rutledge Companion to Music Theory Pedagogy, where she's written about games for teaching music fundamentals, which is what we're going to talk about today. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and honor to be here and and I appreciate the opportunity. We're thrilled to have you. So uh, you're, you're teaching at University of Central Arkansas. What all do you teach there? I teach only music theory. I have two sophomore theory and two sophomore oral skills classes in the fall. And then spring, I go, I go on to teach some upper level electives. I teach the form class. Uh, we have an introduction to linear analysis. And then in the summer, I teach a music theory pedagogy class. Well, I, I really, I loved your chapter. So I'm, I'm so excited to talk about games and especially music fundamentals games. So a theme we've come back to several times on this podcast is the value of play in teaching and learning. Listeners may remember our episode with Jed Derryberry, author of The Playful Classroom, or the episodes where Greg and I talked about Dalcro's Solfege games and about music theory songs. So we've talked a lot about this, but before we dive into specific games, I wonder if you could talk about the value of games in teaching and how you came to use them in your own pedagogy. Sure, I think that games are very, very valuable, um, potentially at every level of instruction, but specifically for fundamentals. And I think it's just, it's just due to our competitive natures and our desire to succeed and our desire desire to win mm-hmm. that really heightens our awareness for learning and games are such a fun environment where we can really push ourselves but we do not have the risk that we do when we take exams so i think this resonates with students and we've all been playing games since we were tiny children the fact that the games speed up our thought processes really mirrors the way that students will use these fundamentals in the real world. And I found that students, when they they first come into a fundamentals class, they think that they just need to be able to master the concept. They don't realize that they actually need to master it and have, in fact, instant recall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because a lot of our students are, are music education majors, and they're not thinking into their future when they're standing in front of their band, sight reading a piece, 
and they don't realize that they don't have five minutes to count the flats and to look at the next to last one to determine the key signature. So games are just a great way to build up that speed and just build up the real world skills that they're, that they're going to need. And also these games particularly came to me um, when I was trying to think of a different modality for drill and practice, because we know that drill and practice is absolutely essential to mastering fundamentals. And of course we can do drill and practice exercises in class and then um, we can give our students written homework. We can send them to an online website or use a computer app. But games are just fun and interactive and competitive. And one thing that uh, I, was, I was very enthusiastic about was having my students see how their classmates perform in this situation. So some of the students who would be struggling would be able to see the students who had already mastered the concept. And they might realize, hey, my classmate has mastered this, so I can do it too. So I was interested in that aspect. I love that. That's great. That's great. Uh, Lee Van Handel's new book, The Rutledge Companion to Music Theory, I've been finding absolutely delightful as I've been working my way through the various chapters. We had the chance to speak recently with uh, Melissa Hogue about her chapter on putting the music in music fundamentals. I absolutely loved your chapter on these music theory games. And I thought it might be fun if you took uh, us and the listeners through some of these games uh, and maybe for the ones that aren't too visual, uh, David and I could go head to head on a question or two and <laughs> see who wins. You just want to show how good you are. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> well, most of these games are visual based, mm-hmm. but um, I'll see if I can think of a few questions. Sounds great. Sounds great. That they'll allow a little competition here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I tried to think of games for uh, quite a few different aspects of fundamentals. And um, I'll tell you about my keywords. Each each has a little kitschy kind of title, each game does. Um, and one I like to call keywords, and it just involves identifying key signatures. And there are three rounds for this game. The students are given 15 cards, and each card has a unique key signature. And for the first round, The students are just given a word, so I like to start with a very simple word, maybe like beg, B-E-G, or fad, F-A-D. And the students who are usually working in teams uh, shift through their cards, and then they just place one key signature for each letter. So they might, for example, have F major, A major, D major for fad, F-A-D. Of course, I, I, I don't really specify whether they should use A major or A flat major. Mm. for the A, their choice. Of course, some of our words have two letters so that then the, the complementary key signatures can be used for those. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's really a, a simple kind of, kind of game. And then we go to round two where I will say a sentence and only one word in the sentence is actually a word that you can spell with key signatures because of, obviously we're limited on letters. Mm. So... Um, I'll give you two a few sentences. Ah, nice. <laughs> and see if you can tell me which word that you would be able to spell with the cards. Okay. Okay. So this is just to add uh, another dimension. So I, it kind of creates a bit of a riddle. All right. My sister just earned her first scout badge. Badge. There you go. <laughs> great. Great. And then you would have practice with five different major key signatures, or I could specify minor key signatures. 
Oh, so then once they get the word, do they do they have to like write out the key signatures or find their key signature cards for those? Yes, they find the key signature cards and they'll have one card for each letter in the word. Got it. Yep. And we usually play this at a table and they'll line up the cards on a table. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, but one of the one of the catches is each team only has one attempt. Mm-hmm. So you have to be sure that you're accurate. So another sentence might be, "Do you drink decaf coffee?" Decaf. Oh, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Yeah. And that would give you practice with another five key signatures. Coffee comes Uh, close. Yeah. I was was working (laughs) my way through coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll give you one more so we can break the tie. (laughs) My friend's favorite movie is Dead Poets Society. Dead. Oh, (laughs) it's a draw. (laughs) I think it's time to go on to another game. So there's one that I call 360 degrees, and the emphasis here is scale degrees. So I'll have students divide it into teams, and you can uh, you can have, I, I, I suppose, two to four teams, just depending on the board space available in your class, and this is a good way to get students up out of their desks. And I'll have each team line up. Um, I'll have one person go to the board at a time, but before they go to the board, I'll call out three pieces of information, a clef, a key, and a scale degree. A clef, a key, and a scale degree. And then uh, I'll let students think about that for a minute, and then I'll say go. And the first person on each team closer to the board will run to the board and write the clef, the key, and then the scale degree of that specific key. Mm. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, we can't play that one on the air <laughs> <laughs> yeah it doesn't work doesn't work too well orally but so so in other words like you would say something like uh base clef g major six exactly and so someone would draw the base clef right. draw one sharp and would write uh the letter the, the note e on that staff and so um of course treble and bass bass clefs are relatively easy you could throw in some c clefs <laughs> mm-hmm. that'd be a lot of fun Alto and tenor. Yeah. Writing key signatures in C clefs can be fun too because they have a different shape depending on the C clef. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And this is also practice, of course, for writing key signatures and having the correct placement and the correct order. Mm-hmm. Right. Another component of that, that, uh, that game. One of my favorites I call balance beam. So I'll have one student from each team go to the board and write on a horizontal plane numbers 1 through 14. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it could be any number that work, but, but the game that I like to start with has 14 different uh, rhythmic values. Mm-hmm. And then I'll call out um, a rhythmic value for each number, and my students will write that rhythmic value, no beams. So, for example, let's say numbers 1 through 3 each have eighth notes. Number four is a quarter note. Number five is an eighth note. Number six is a dotted quarter. Seven, eight, nine are all eighth notes. Ten is a quarter note. Eleven through fourteen are eighth notes. So they're just looking at what might seem to be just a random assignment of note values. And at this point, not beamed at all. Not just beamed at all. individual notes. No, because that's part of the competition. So I have five rounds. I really can get a lot, a lot of competition out of this one visual. 
So round one, I asked the teams to beam the rhythm in 6-8 and, of course, include bar lines. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, uh, and again, I, I give each team only one chance. So they, they have to really think it through and check themselves. So for round two, I have the teams beam the same notes correctly in 3-4. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, check on the, uh, the bars Round three, I asked the teams to beam the same rhythmic pattern in 9-8. And, of course, this time they have to move the bar lines. Mm-hmm. And then round four, I asked the students in 9-8 to replace each rhythmic note value with a rest value. And then for the last round, I asked them to do rhythmic transpositions, so I'll have them change the rest values from 9-8 to 9-4. It changed mm-hmm. the re- change the change change all of the values from nine eight to nine four. Right. Got it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I specifically work with rest values at first because I think it might be a little tougher than the actual note values. Although that's certainly mm-hmm. a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. And I can see all sorts of ways you could extend this as well. I mean, depending on which notes you changed to rests, um, it might be that in some meters, you would normally combine those rests to form a longer value, whereas in other meters you'd want to keep them separate to reflect the, the metric structure. Right. And that's, that's certainly, um, that's certainly a very important point. Yes. And that's, that's in addition to teach teaching beaming, we can also teach the proper combination of rests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Then I go on to meter cards. Each team receives two sets of cards and on one card, uh, there is a rhythmic value that's the equivalent of one beat. So, for example, in 4-4, four, four, this could be a single quarter note. It could be two eighths. It could be an eighth and two sixteenths. It could be a dotted eighth and a single sixteenth. It's just the value of a single beat. Mm-hmm. And then I have another stack of cards with the numbers 2, 3, and 4. Now, of course, uh, these refer to meters or or beats per measure. Uh, usually I just start with the more common two, three, four, though you could certainly add others. And then the students basically have to figure out what the meter is when I combine one card with a rhythmic pattern with another card with a number. Can you give us an example of that? So perhaps we can do a little competition here. <laughs> yeah, I'm still <laughs> trying to envision this. Okay. So um, I would like for you to tell me the meter or the key signature, excuse me, the time signature for your first card, which is a quarter and an eighth, the equivalent of a beat. Gotcha. And then the other card, which tells you that there are four of these per measure. Ah, so 12-8. So 12-8. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. Four compound beats, yeah. Now, of course, um, simple meters are, are pretty easy to do. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But then when, 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 when I choose a compound meter, then there's the extra step of students having to um, think about how the time signature reflects not the beats per measure, but the divisions per measure. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Yeah, the part that I hadn't grokked at first was, was that there would be compound meter beats. Um, yeah, and it always seems like it's a, a, a difficult thing to explain in fundamentals why compound meter is what it is. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. It's, it's always a challenge. 
And I think it sometimes helps for students to see a single beat isolated on a card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just looking at example, thinking that the divisions are the equivalent of beats. Yeah. And I think also it, it's nice, right? Because some, so often we say in 6, 8, 9, 8, 12, 8, the, the dotted quarter gets the beat. But, but of course, all sorts of other things can form a beat. And so I like that idea of getting them to think about the rhythm words as being beats within those compound meters. And of course, it, you could, you know, make some really hard ones. You could do a dotted, um, dotted 16th, 32nd, 16th right at which point we're in and and the number three at which point we're in 9 16 time right you could get mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some really crazy ones in there yeah <laughs> right right and 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 usually that's that's the process you start with the easier ones and then work your way to the ones that are more challenging mm -hmm. uh i think perhaps my favorite is the notation bloopers game <laughs> <laughs> and this is just to reinforce conventional notation which I think a lot of our students um, are just not aware of. They, they take conventional notation for granted. Yeah. So I'll give my students a slip of paper that has a, a, just a short melody on it, and I'll ask them to identify the mistake. And <laughs> it's just really fun to come up with these mistakes. They might be as subtle as a bass clef, with the dots in the wrong place. Mm. So instead of um, surrounding the F line, they might surround the D line. And usually that takes a while for, st for students to identify that. And this is a fun game to play with teams because you've got the interaction of the team members as they look for the mistake. Um, another favorite is of mine. It, now see if you can see if you can identify this mistake. So picture this. I've got. A bass clef with dots the proper position, right? Mm -hmm. And then next you see four four. After that you see two flats, B flat, E flat. And then for simplicity's sake, let's say that you see four quarter notes, a bar line, and a whole note. What's the mistake? I'm cheating a bit because I've seen it in your book and I have to say I had to read the answer. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> so a bass clef, time signature of 4-4, four, four, two flats, B flat, E flat, followed by four quarter notes, a bar, and a whole note with, a, let's say, a double bar. You've, you've transposed the time signature and the key signature. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent, David. <laughs> Exactly. I had to look, I had to visualize it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot. And you can do other things like um, using wrong stem direction, incorrect mm. beaming. And another one of my favorites is a mistake that my students make very often, which uh, they'll have a melody with an upbeat, but then in the last measure, they'll have... Um, note values for the complete value of the measure. So they've forgotten to compensate for the upbeat. Mm -hmm. That usually takes a minute too. Although I, yeah, I get to some of these things and I think, well, I've seen professional scores that, that feature this or feature, um, and of course I do a lot of early music, so I've seen mm -hmm. the F clef on different <laughs> lines. Everywhere, and I've seen the G clef on different lines. 
that's a great point. That's a great point. And that's a good conversation to have with students that, you know, this, what we call conventional notation is not universal. I just had a discussion today with my sophomore students about um, using a Dorian key signature in a Bach chorale. Mm. Mm. So mm-hmm. the key of G minor yeah. was notated with just one flat. Mm-hmm. And Bach does this all the, all time. the time. Right. Yeah. So many Baroque composers. Mm-hmm. And then another game we play is uh, triad bingo. <laughs> so I'll I I um I just made these bingo cards. Uh, let's see. With intervals, I usually do B I N G O uh, for triad. Sometimes bing or just sometimes bingo. But um, and instead of uh, a traditional bingo card layout, you would just have single chords just a row of single chords under each letter. And then I'll call out a letter and then a chord quality, and the students will have to find that chord quality. Usually we just circle them. And um, honestly, I only make one version of the card for each class. So everyone's looking at the same card because it's just chaos running around looking at different cards and reconfiguring (laughs) your brain. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it, it has been a while since I've played bingo. So just to be sure I'm picturing this correctly, the it, so at the top are these like five columns, B-I-N-G-O. Mm-hmm. And then when, underneath him, you said the said qualities or letters or both? Like do, uh, do, Qualities. Okay. Qualities. So for example, under let's say under B, mm-hmm. I might have an F major triad. Yeah. Maybe a D minor triad. Mm-hmm. A C augmented triad, uh-huh. and then uh, a B diminished triad. Got it. And so you would call something like B augmented, and exactly. And then they would exactly. put a chip on the one augmented card in that row. Correct. Yes. Okay. And so if you're all using the same card, then there's a there's a definitive point at which someone should have won. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if I could do this with oral skills, <laughs> except that I, I fear I would get premature victories. <laughs> oh, you do. You do. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. but, but once you declare a premature victory, you are out of the game. Oh. <laughs> you know, and you could easily turn that game. Is that what you were saying, David? That you could turn that game to an oral skills game yeah. by mm-hmm. calling column B and then playing a diminished chord. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh-huh. Yeah. I, I use the, the same format on intervals, on triads, on seventh chords. There's so much you can do with it. Mm-hmm. And also you could add that oral component to the triads and seventh chords. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, but you, 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 you really need to state up front that premature declarations <laughs> of victory <laughs> eliminate you from, will yes. result in elimination from the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's... You know, I love the the fact that um, you mentioned that that of course it lets some of the students see that other students are doing well, that they are, that they understand it, and therefore that it is understandable. Um, I I have seen some students react to this with despair that <laughs> their colleagues just know these things <laughs> and they don't. Right. Um, and I wonder how you handle the despair factor (laughs) (laughs) that the the despair factor is definitely present whether it's written uh written 
theory or oral skills, definitely. And um, I just, it, it's, it's uncanny. I had this talk today with my students. In my sophomore oral skills, we, um, we do an error detection exercise every day in class. And I have some students who are just not passing them. And so we had to have a little chat about everybody has their weaknesses. And there's some things that, that you can do now very well, but you were not able to do them at some point before. Mm-hmm. So none of my students were born reading treble and bass clef. <laughs> they had to learn those. And um, and I think it's important to, to tell students, as I'm sure you all know, that sometimes people are more comfortable with the written side of theory. Sometimes they're more comfortable with the oral side of theory. Mm-hmm. And they're all important. And it's just a matter of developing skills. And sometimes you even have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, we as, as functioning adults in the real world, we call people for help all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have physicians and mental health professionals and electricians and plumbers and people with professions that we just cannot live without them. So um, it's, it's really difficult sometimes for my students to ask for help. They think they should just naturally be good at a skill, but... Um, that's why we do skill building. Yeah. And it's, it's just so valuable to know your weaknesses, yeah. to know where to focus your time and your effort. Mm-hmm. I have one more I'd like to share with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it interval train. And this actually is not original. I think we did something like this when I was an undergrad a long time ago. <laughs> and this is also a game that could have an oral component, but I'll focus on the, on the written, the visual right now. So I'll have um, each team at the board, at a board, and I'll give them the starting note. And then I'll tell them uh, the name of an interval and a direction. Mm -hmm. So let's say um, ascending minor second, and then they'll write the next note. And then I'll I'll just go through a series of five to 12 intervals. And whoever gets to the correct final note first is the winner. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, I love it. It's a very modus novus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. And then, of course, you can sing. You could sing. You could try to sing the. Oh yeah, the the melody that you created, right? And of course, you could play those oral skills um, by playing the intervals. Mm-hmm. That'd be mm-hmm. a great way for them to reinforce the the written with the oral, which is always important. Of and you can make it a name the tune then as well. But if you pick, right, you know, give the intervals for some tune, say, absolutely, uh, F sharp, perfect unison, ascending minor second, ascending major second, mm-hmm. descending major second, and we're off to Ode to Joy. Great, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> great, great addition. I I wonder, um, and I, it, it's really cool to me how you've sort of all of these games leverage a competitive spirit to to especially get at that as you said that that, that immediate uh recall that mm-hmm. um and i know one of my colleagues uh instituted time tests on all of her mm-hmm. all of her fundamentals classes and theory one and they would just have time tests every day and the students kind of hated them but right. at least it it you know time test does not leave you time to count up the letters and mm-hmm. figure out it, of course we know you can do that uh, mm-hmm. 
it, it, that's not the issue. The issue is that you'd be able to see it and immediately recognize it. And so you're, you've leveraged this competitive spirit. I, won I wonder, and maybe this is, um, I just wonder if you have games that are less competitive. Uh, are there collaborative games? Do we have ways of, uh, or, or is that less useful? <laughs> Um, I'm sure there's a place for that, um, certainly. Uh, there's sometimes when you, as a professional musician, you want to take time. Mm. You want to enjoy the discovery, maybe of analyzing a piece. And when taking time is appropriate. Uh, but with these games, as you mentioned, my, my primary concern is that students just go beyond understanding. Mm-hmm. They actually have an opportunity to, to essentially prepare for the real world, right? Where you don't have time to, to think about what the F sharp major scale looks like, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I've had some students I think who don't always understand that right away. I, I definitely had a conversation with one the other day who uh, said, "Well, well, when you make me do it so fast, I can't, you know, if." I, when I do the homework, I have plenty of time, so I don't understand why I didn't do well on this test. Well, uh, mm -hmm. you it's because the homework, you're obviously doing it very slowly, but you, have, you can't do it slowly. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I'll reveal a secret here. Um, it seems like sometimes the students think that the primary purpose is to win the game. Uh, and I usually offer some kind of... Um, interesting reward like it might be if we have a games day then the team who wins has their lowest homework replaced by an a so that's mm -hmm. something that everybody everybody is interested in mm -hmm. so they think that the primary objective is to get that homework grade replaced mm. so that's really what they're focused on mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're gonna just try to to get through each of these exercises as quickly as possible and pull their resources together when actually my primary goal <laughs> is for them to build up their 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 speed and recall. It's nice to um, think about motivation in this sense too, because I, I do find it frustrating sometimes that um, our our students come to us increasing increasingly motivated by grades and less motivated by the desire to learn. Um, I it feels like that's uh, happening anyway, and. Um, of course, uh, this doesn't necessarily encourage motivation to learn, <laughs> but it does, it does provide motivation that is not grade-based necessarily. Motivation to win motivation can to also win. double as <laughs> motivation to learn when you don't realize you're learning. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I agree with you that sometimes it seems like their motivation is more about getting the grade that they want, yeah. which is kind of sad. And I think um, sometimes it's just our, our place to remind students to think about why it is that they're studying music. Why, why, why do you want this music degree? Mm -hmm. um, do you really want to get an A or do you actually want to learn the material? And, and not to say that in a harsh way, but just to, to be the voice of, reason the person who reminds them that this amazing thing that we study that we all love music is 
a wonderful and complex area. Mm-hmm. And I, I often make, make the analogy with my students um, between uh, their relationship to music and, say, their relationship to um, maybe a significant other. When you first meet someone and fall in love, of course, there's that period when you want to know everything you possibly can learn about them in a brief period of time because you really cherish that person. And if they love music, then they really need to have an attitude of wanting to learn as much as they possibly can. They might not like everything, but just like you don't like everything about another person. You, know, you don't like everything about a friend. Hmm. But it's just checking their perspective, I think, is, is part of teaching, especially music majors. Yeah. Great. I thought it might be fun reading your games. I thought we should share more games just with each other because I think, you know. I would love to hear some of your games. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking too, like, you know, just as as students, right, the, the younger we are, the more learning tends to have games in it. And as we go through the grades and into college, there tend to be fewer and fewer games. But boy, I mean, the, the second I hear let's play a game. <laughs> I'm there, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, a game I thought uh, it'd be fun to share. I do this game um, with a, a lot of my students, um, but especially with uh, anytime I'm teaching oral skills. And uh, I usually teach using scale degrees, and uh, but you can do it with solfish just as well. And so uh, the basic idea is if you map the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, nine and zero uh, onto a scale uh, you can get like one two three four five six seven eight and then you can have nine <laughs> as a high two and you can have zero as a low seven right and of course you could do the same thing in, in solfege and so then i love this game because it involves students cell phones and you know oh. how many times in class do we find ourselves thinking oh i wish that student weren't on their cell phone or saying hey <laughs> would you put away that cell phone and how rarely do we get mm-hmm. to say in class all right everyone take out your cell phone oh that's a thrill right yeah. there that's a thrill for a student so i ask students to take out their cell phone and uh they convert their telephone number to scale degrees using this mm-hmm. system and then I ask for volunteers to sing their number. Oh, wow. Not on the numbers or solfege, but mm-hmm. on a neutral syllable, la, 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 etc. Mm-hmm. And the first person to successfully make their cell phone ring wins <laughs> the round. Oh, that's fantastic. And oh, Oh, wow. We practice, that we, before we do this, I say, now, it's very possible you're going to dial a wrong number. And if someone picks up, you're not allowed to just hang up on them. You have to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I misheard a number before you hang up. Wow, that's fantastic. I love that game. I, yeah, I have way too much fun with it. Um, that's that's great potential that, for embarrassment. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> and that's the way I've memorized my credit card numbers by converting them to scale degrees. Oh, this is yeah. how we've I, memorized. Greg and I have both memorized uh, pi 
this way. Yes. Yes. Awesome. That's fantastic. We we've got different rhythms because we do. And actually, I wrote a few on Pi. I I got yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, <laughs> musical nerdiness. When there's that element of humiliation, then it really heightens it heightens your hearing. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Another version of this I like to do is um, it's harder to do now because it's hard to find the yellow pages. But um, I'll hand out a different page. I'll cut out pages from the yellow pages, and I'll hand each student their own page from the yellow pages. And they're to pick a company listed on the yellow pages and to write a jingle with the company's phone number. And depending on the level of the class, they might also, um, you know, they might set it to a rhythm and meter, or they might also add harmony and accompaniment um, Mm. and create a, you know, kind of create a thing about it. And the the best jingles are ones that don't say the name of the company, but, but like give you some hint about what the company does. And then mm. uh, the students, like, I'll usually give that as a homework assignment. And in the next class, students will perform their jingles for the other students, and they'll try and figure out what the company might be. How fun. Anyway, so some of my, a couple of my favorite games. Oh, that's very creative. That's very creative. I've, um, I, I, don't, I haven't really done competitive games in my classroom. I, I'm feeling embarrassed that I haven't, but... Um, I mean, I've, I've done, I guess, collaborative things where we have a challenge and I'll let people form groups and work with their group to pass the challenge, like executing a good four against three or um, or five against four or four against five. Um, and uh, the uh, that's proved useful, especially if you have somewhat uh, diverse groups of, of students go off together because then the ones who can do it uh, will they'll get peer learning um, but uh, I guess that doesn't really count as a game <laughs> <laughs> unless you let them come back and have a competition mm-hmm. well it's a, it's a fun activity out, outside of lecture time yeah. mm-hmm. or structured time those are always fun yeah uh these are really great stephanie thank you so much for sharing them with us thank you so much for having me it was it was lovely meeting you both and i enjoyed hearing your ideas too i'll have to put some of those those to use yeah i can't i can't wait to to use some of these as well and you know i think we david and i when we did our episode on uh dalcro solfege games we were talking how you know any game there any game is like a, a seed that can be developed into so many other versions of that game depending on Absolutely. what you're working on i can you know i could see i could see these being extended say to roman numerals for instance or to mm-hmm. various mm-hmm. other things so definitely yeah. definitely yeah yeah right and a question for you do you i know you mentioned in uh, your chapter in the Rutledge companion to music theory pedagogy that you tend to do uh, a games day like it'll just be like like we used to have field day in school where we'd just play games outside. Is it like that kind of a feeling? Um, some Sometimes I'll have a fundamental Olympics. <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, and, and I find that those are, are 
good for review near test time. Also, if I'm away at a conference, it's a great a lesson plan for a substitute to come in and, and, and do. Uh, but also, of course, the games are modular. So, um, you know, it's always good to review a previous topic each class. So um, by just having a quick game, that'd be a, a wonderful way to reinforce a topic that you've already covered, but your stu students are still working on that mastery. Mm -hmm. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, this is, uh, yeah, I'm just really delighted that, that you've shared these with us and that we'll share them with uh, a broader audience. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll have a whole bunch of... Um, keyword and uh, notation blooper and triad bingo contestants out there in the world. That would be great. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that, um, that you find these helpful. And I, I hope, certainly hope that your listeners will too. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. Thanks so much. Thank you. Notes from the Staff is produced by utheory.com. Utheory is the most advanced online learning platform for music theory. With video lessons, individualized practice, and proficiency testing, U-Theory has helped more than 100,000 students around the world master the fundamentals of music theory, rhythm, and ear training. Create your own free teacher account at utheory.com slash teach.